Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. I'm back. Back from Jacksonville. Suiting up here with Garrett to talk about the Ravens' 23-7 win over the Jags. Dive into the tape and talk about what's new with the Ravens. Garrett, there is th- this is a huge win, first of all, to put the Ravens in really good pos- playoff positioning. They clinched their spot, and they have the best odds of getting the first round by, of winning the division. They're in good shape. And they did it by a lot of really good play across the board, and, and we're going to highlight some of that today. And one thing I want to start with here is the Ravens run game right and and I think what's interesting about this team is that they keep finding different ways to win and against the Jags they really grinded out the second half of this game on the ground so the Ravens ran for 251 yards in the game 204 of those came in the second half you run for 200 yards in any half in in any game that's a good game Two hundred and a half. Yeah, well, John Harbaugh said during his interview coming out of the locker room at halftime, we'd like to get the ground game going a little bit. <laughs> <They> and <laughs> mission accomplished. They got it rolling. And um, I, I, what I, what I really liked about it is that when you mentioned the fact that they can win in a variety of different ways, they can also run the ball in a variety of different ways. Now, unfortunately, as we're going to talk about, some of that was by by necessity with the injury to Keaton Mitchell, but the Ravens have a bunch of different ways that they can attack you on the ground. And I think that's one of the beauties of this offense is that they can play ground and pound. They got Gus the bus. Uh, Lamar is still dynamic, so the quarterback run design run is still certainly a part of the certainly a big part of the offense yep. and then you have justice who's kind of a bit of both you know he, he can run between the tackles but he also is good out of the backfield he brings a little bit of speed and so you have these guys who all bring something a little bit different to the equation and it makes this running game really hard to stop so i thought what was notable in looking at the film was the adjustments that the ravens made in the run game to really get it going in the first half the jags are really crashing down on their from their defensive ends very aggressive in the backfield. We're not paying a whole lot of attention or respect to Lamar Jackson as a runner, pulling that ball out and running. In the second half, you saw the Ravens run the ball more from under center. Lamar Jackson was getting under center, and it was more just a traditional run game. You drop back, hand it off, let's go get it. There wasn't as much pooling blockers. The Ravens were basically getting the ball in the hands of their running backs and attacking the, the middle of the line of scrimmage faster. That negated some of those edges that were closing in on the Ravens' run game. Also, 
Lamar Jackson was making them pay more in the second half. And once he starts beating those edges to the edge defenders to the outside, now that makes them pause for a second. Now I have to respect Lamar Jackson running the ball, which I don't know how you ever forget Mm -hmm. that. But they were reminded of it in, in one play in particular. Lamar, early in the game, they had a formation with uh, Isaiah Likely in the backfield next to Gus Edwards. They crash down, tackle for no gain. Later in the game, Lamar Jackson beats that crashing edge around the edge. Very next play, you see the same alignment, same play as earlier, and this time those edges are like, whoa, all right, a second, hold up. And you see Gus Edwards gash them for a 20-plus yard game. Gain. Yeah, yeah, I mean, with Lamar, it's, it's really been interesting with him this year because he has taken kind of a, a backseat in the running department compared to what he had done certainly earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not to say that he hasn't been running the ball. He has 741 yards on the ground this season, but Sunday's game was his second best rushing total of the season. He had he beat it one time earlier, and that was against Indianapolis when he had 101. He had 97 in this game. Bad weather is a factor in both of those games. Yep, it is. And, and so... With Lamar, I have kind of felt the last two weeks in particular that it seems like he is running with a little bit more aggression and uh, I don't know what the right, right word is, when when needed. And I felt like way against the Rams and I felt that way again against Jacksonville and it kind of makes me feel like, okay, playoff mode, he's going to be a little bit more willing knowing if it can help this team and that's what they need to tuck in a run and... Uh, and, and, and carry the ball. I think it's not just running, too. It's scrambling also. And, and you see a fair amount of that with Lamar Jackson. And credit to his offensive line in front of him for giving him those opportunities. He's looking to pass. And that's the big difference. Yeah, that I was think. clear in this game for sure. I think that's the big difference from this year to years prior when you compare them is obviously there's a lot more quarterback called runs under Greg Roman. Yeah. Now it's more passing opportunities. And oftentimes, Lamar's looking to extend the play and throw. But you still have to keep in mind, this is Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I think he's doing a really good job of picking his spots when he takes off and runs. The interesting thing about him, too, is he's so effective as a runner. It's not always full tilt, full speed. He's under control, it yeah. almost feels like he's at 75% speed most of the time. And obviously, over his entire career, he's done a great job of avoiding hits. I just think he's done, doing a really good job of picking his spots, being a smart runner, not necessarily just an aggressive runner. Oh, I think that's, I know, I think the, the speed point is really good. I mean, Lamar's body control and ability to weave in and out of traffic is is, is as good as anybody that I've ever seen play the game. And he does, it's very graceful the way he can be in the middle of like four four defenders and juke a couple of guys and then go down without taking a big hit. And I even remember like when the Ravens drafted him, that was a point of feedback from coaches and scouts was like, this guy doesn't, you know, if you go all the way back and the question is like, can he last in the NFL, you know, coming out of college? And multiple people would say, well, he doesn't take the big hits that you would think for a quarterback that runs as much as he does. And it was kind of like, all right, well, let's see how that is in the NFL. You know, guys are faster and the hits are more vicious and all this stuff. Well, after watching him through through six years, I can see that now. Like, his ability to really maneuver and put himself in good position is, is second to none. Of course, like, people will point to his injuries the past couple of years, but, like, those, first of all, were were 
trying to scramble out of the pocket and throw the ball. But when he's designed, when he's running the ball by design, he just has this knack for finding the ability to get into the open field. And if he doesn't get into the open field, he can at least get down without absorbing a big hit I think most both, of the time. Both of his injuries the past few years were behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it wasn't it, it wasn't, wasn't when he was scrambling or running. Yeah, like he's he's running basically because there was pressure that was on him, just like any other quarterback in the league when, who's trying to get out of the pocket when you know the protection breaks down. Exactly. I asked Lamar after the game, "What are your emotions? What's running through your mind when you're in the pocket and you're dancing around? There's pass rushers whizzing by you in every direction." I said, "Look, he looks so calm." Mm-hmm. And he said, "He said." Do it? Do I? Do I look <laughs> yeah. calm? I said, yeah, yeah, you do, right? <laughs> right. And so, it, it's really incredible. I think when we talk about no other quarterback being able to do it like Lamar, that's case in point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen another quarterback that can just dance in the pocket like he can, and and it's not just escaping; it's buying more time. I think he's special in that way. Yeah. While we're having this conversation, I also want to give credit to his blockers. Lamar had the second longest time to throw of his career. Yeah. Against the Jags. He had three average time to throw was 3.8 seconds. It's incredible. Yeah. When I look at the film, I see some really good sustained blocking mirror blocking. That's, basically mirroring the movements of the defensive linemen, keeping those blocks going, especially from Tyler Linderbaum and Kevin Zeitler. And I just talked to Joe D'Alessandris really quick in the, in the cafeteria just to give him his props and his offensive linemen his props. He said, that's something we drill all the time, Yeah, is that sustained mirrored blocking, and you're seeing it pay off uh, in spades for this offense. Yeah, well, if you're going to have plays where you're scrambling and putting throwing pushing the ball down the field like it's kind of this mix right because when you look at like the Isaiah likely play part of what makes that play so magical is Lamar has pressure and he he sneaks out of that pressure and then throws the ball down the field so he, he there's pressure that forces the scramble in the first mm-hmm. place but it's not complete breakdown of protection across the offensive line in order for then you to still have time to kind of settle for him to settle himself and then look down the field. The guys that you're mentioning, Linderbaum, Zeitler, they need to be blocking and holding up in the middle of that offensive line. I thought that was kind of the anomaly of the extended play by Lamar was he almost got his head ripped off on that play and it spun out of it. That was, yes, it was a protection breakdown off the right side. Mm -hmm. Most of it from what I see on tape was, Really good protection in the pocket. The tackles, for the most part, doing a good job of pushing the the protection around behind him and him just kind of dancing around. It wasn't like he was necessarily shirking off tackles. He had... Room is maybe not the best yeah, word. The tackles, they, they, they was up, it was up and down. Yes. I think like it wasn't like it was. It's not like he was standing back there and had all day to throw. He was creating time to throw. But I agree with your point, which is up front. Linderbaum, Zeitler, John Simpson, mm-hmm. they were for the most part holding the interior of that defensive line at bay, and that allows him to step up in the pocket and then maneuver around and continue to look down the field. Once that interior breaks down, then it's kind of all bets off for the quarterback because then exactly. you're trying to run outside the pocket okay now you're running into those edge rushers who are trying to you're oftentimes stepping up into a sack it's it's that's when things really break down so the fact that those guys held up well i think offset times where the tackles got beat mm-hmm. and then that ended up giving lamar the opportunity to keep plays alive 
Well, and if you're having trouble protecting your edges, oftentimes the strategy will be push them out the back. Mm -hmm. if, if you can't, if you're having trouble anchoring, which we've seen from Ronnie Stanley at times, Morgan Moses has been dealing with injury. Also, if you're getting beat with power, oftentimes the the strategy can be okay. Just try to push them out of the back of the pocket. Yeah, as opposed to trying to stonewall them. Yeah, yeah, and. If the Ravens get good interior blocking from those three guys up front, that works. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a, a plan that can work. And still, there, you don't want to see the pressure from the edges. But this is a formula, I think, that was proven against the Jaguars, where this offense can continue to hit big plays, can continue to buy time, as we said, 3.8 seconds, to make plays happen in the passing game. Yeah, I think that I, I was watching uh, Dan Orlovsky this week, and he made an interesting point which is that he praised the ESPN analysts I'm talking about, if listeners aren't unaware, but I think he does a great job of really breaking down offensive film in general. Mm -hmm. And the point that he made about this Ravens offense is that there's so much variety within it. And so in this game, it was Lamar scrambling and looking downfield and making those plays. And it was the running game, you know, 251 yards on the ground, more than 200 in the second half. But there's, so they can go with that. They can go with the quarterback run. They have the ability to to push the ball down the field. They can get guy get the ball to players in space like Zay Flowers. They can just basically change up their approach. Todd Munkin has this ability to change up the approach and play calling, and based on what the defense gives you, who's playing well, the scheme that you're seeing in front of you. There's just like he has a lot of tools in the toolkit, and that is one of the things that makes this offense really challenging and dynamic and and like I kind of I, I talked about Lamar as a runner I don't think that we've seen that by design of course as much this season that's that's intentional but it's still there and so we got elements of it this game I think we got elements of it last game and when you're going into the playoffs when you know that 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 club is still in the bag mm -hmm. it's good that you know you can go back to that if needed yeah I completely agree and to your point of different ways to win in different targets who, who is the Ravens' top target right now in this offense? You didn't see a whole lot from Odell Beckham Jr. Zay Flowers had one target, yeah. caught one pass in this game. Isaiah Likely was the guy. Rashad Bateman made several extended play catches in this game, had his best game of the, of the year. So it's also not easy for defenses to key, on, key in on any particular player. And I think what was interesting to talk about Isaiah Likely and Bateman is those extended plays that Mark Andrews and Lamar have made such a living off of. You're seeing some of that with those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Second play from scrimmage of this offense, Lamar Jackson buys time, rolls out to his right. Looking at the film, Isaiah Likely did a really good job of recognizing where's the open space, breaking open. Of course, giving it the Isaiah Likely hand up in the air as we <laughs> talked to him about last week, the I'm open. Go back and watch that pod. Go back and, and yeah, watch that, listen to that podcast. Got the podcast bump, by the way. We'll Big get, we'll get to that. Bump. Uh, but to get to an open area for Lamar Jackson to hit him over the top, it was a great play to get this offense jump started at the, on their opening drive. Yeah, I, that's one thing that I just, I, I love about this team in general. Like, it can be a different guy every week. Last mm -hmm. week, it was Tylen Wallace. This week, Isaiah likely has a big week. Rashad Bateman comes on. Z Zay Flowers doesn't have a big day, but he certainly is capable of it. Odell is certainly capable of it. And I think in past years with this offense, it's kind of been like, all right, Mark Andrews, stop him and, and limit the quarterback design run game. Mm -hmm. If you do those things, you've 
put yourself in pretty good position to handle the offense. Yep. Those are hard things to do to stop those guys in the in Lamar on the ground. But if you do that, then you're in good position. Now, if you if you you can't just focus on taking one thing away because if you take away the quarterback design run, okay, well, haven't really leaned on that much at all this year. Okay, take away Odell. All right, well, here's Isaiah Likely coming into this game. Here's Zay Flowers. Here's Nelson Aguilar with mm-hmm. the speed. Like they have the all these different weapons that they can work into this offense. And I just think it makes life really difficult. And, and, you know, as we're talking about, part of what is allowing there to be so many different players who can step up is the fact that Lamar Jackson is doing a great job of spreading the ball around and he's playing at such a high level. Completely agree. I think one criticism of the offense in this game was that so much of the passing game success in particular was off script. Mm -hmm. And that leads you to think, well, how long can that last? Yeah, yeah. That's a little bit... Uh, fluky, for lack of a better word. Yeah, like you're never going to draw up that 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 play to Isaiah Likely. You you ideally want it to play out exactly how you draw it up. Yeah. Now the NFL doesn't work that way, and the Ravens have a very special quarterback in Lamar Jackson who can still operate and make a lot of plays out of extended broken play situations. I think also though that some sight was lost. People aren't acknowledging as much that the Ravens did make plays on time in particular the Lamar Jackson touchdown pass to Isaiah Likely that's a small window up the seams throw anticipation I loved the almost getting your head ripped off spinning around throw the ball Mm -hmm. down and Isaiah Likely goes up and and dunks on somebody play yeah that play was amazing if we're talking about strictly quarterback when you think of a traditional quarterback play the touchdown pass to Isaiah Likely was even better yeah one play was magical. The other was surgical. Mm-hmm. That was an an- a great anticipation throw because when you freeze it, when Lamar pulls Cox back to throw that pass, it doesn't. There's two defenders right on. Likely, it yeah, it's not, not like oh, this guy's wide open. Not by any stretch of right. the imagination. To fit that throw in was really a great on time. Like I'm talking about throw. The throw that he made to Odell Beckham Jr., third third and mm-hmm. six over the middle when he gets smacked right in his chest by a blitzer was a great throw. Talk yeah. about standing tall in the pocket and delivering like a pocket quarterback, a traditional pocket quarterback would. That was it. The uh, play to Charlie Kohler as well down there in the red zone. Completely. Right another, up the seam. Another really nice play up the seam. Credit to Kohler for making that catch and and doing something with it after he got the ball in his hands. But I thought that was another one that kind of falls into this category. So it wasn't like it was all off script. I do feel like there was, you know, I haven't done the breakdown of percentages on script versus off script of every play throughout the season. It felt more off script in this game than, than past weeks. And I agree with you. Like you want it to look nice and neat, uh, Mm -hmm. even though no one really talks about, like if you talk about the likely play in this Mm game, no one's talking about the touchdown, which is ironic. You're talking about the scramble and the throw and the and the dunk, right? Right. But but I think you make a great point that the that touchdown likely makes a nice catch and Lamar just put it absolutely on the money, perfect throw, perfectly timed. That I'm sure like in the booth, Todd Monk is high five, and that's what the coaches, you know, they draw it up on right. the board. That's exactly how you want it to play out, and that's a really important thing to have as well. We're talking about Isaiah Likely, and I do think the throw by Lamar, as we're talking about, to escape pressure, keep his head on his shoulders, <laughs> literally, and make that throw was incredible. Likely he's not getting enough credit for the catch, though. Ooh, all right. He, I think, 
deserves almost more credit for that play. We got the hot take. Lamar, Lamar's, you know, running around. That was it was okay, but you know, secondary. That was special. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying, if that ball goes incomplete, still you you say that was a great play yeah, by Lamar yeah. to get to escape that. Yeah. Also, was a chance that it was going to get intercepted. Yeah. It, it so felt, if it gets picked off, nobody's singing Lamar's yeah, praises yeah. on that throw. Yeah. The guy who made sure it wasn't picked off was Isaiah Likely. And that was a redonkulous. He mossed him. Yeah. You talk about getting mossed for listeners at home who don't know what mossing somebody is. And John Harbaugh even learned after the game what the, if you, if you put your hand you, over you tap your, the head, you tap yeah. the head, yeah. what that means. <laughs> Both are synonymous. Mossing and the head tap. Yeah. That means to jump over a guy basically and pluck it over top of him. It's the ultimate disrespect yeah. to a defensive back. Yes. Yeah. For that to happen. And that's what Isaiah likely did. That was a special. Mark Andrews-esque play. It really was. I, I, I'm giving you a hard time about taking anything away from Lamar, but I, I agree with you. I think that like the likely catch, it, that's that play is the classic. It felt like it was in the air for an hour. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Where are you throwing? He's in double coverage. Yes. Do not throw across the field. <laughs> throwing across the field, and it hangs up there forever. There's two players there, and then likely just goes and makes a great catch. And that's what you want from your playmakers. The Ravens needed guys to make a play, and likely st- stepped up and made it. I said this on the podcast after the game on Sunday. You know, I, I really w- did come away impressed with Isaiah after sitting down with him last week. I thought like mm-hmm. his mindset and his makeup and his uh, understanding of the moment and the position that he's in right now. I just liked what he had to say about all of that. And I thought that this game really kind of brought that to life. Like this guy understands there's a lot on his shoulders. He knows that this offense and Lamar Jackson's counting on him. He knows that this team is special and he knows that it's no small task to step in and play for Mark Andrews. And he prepares that way. And he, he it's takes one thing that to know all that yep. stuff. It's the preparation that you put in to yep make plays in that situation that matters. Yep, and I think we're seeing it pay dividends. And now, I I only think he's going to get better. I think that it was really big for him to make that play in particular because he talked to us about how much that Colts drop in Mm -hmm. overtime affected him. That was a tight, he called it, I think, doing the the dirty work, the grimy work. Tight, contested catch. To make that kind of contested catch in that big of a game on Sunday Night Football against the Jags, that wasn't a wide-open Yards after catch, making somebody miss like we had seen earlier in the two previous games with him as a starter. That was a big boy catch. Yeah, you go up and you make a tough catch in traffic. You know what that catch was? That was a dog catch. (laughs) And let's just let it out of the bag. Out of the doghouse. The dog of the week. Isaiah Likely. That's a well-deserved honor for him. Yes. Uh, And it wasn't just that play. I mean, he was involved in this offense from the start. He also caught the touchdown. Just a really nice overall game from him. When the offense... You know, we already talked about how the receivers weren't really putting up big production in this game. So who's going to be the player that steps up? And it was likely. As we're talking about tight ends, let's talk about Charlie Kohler and the Ravens version of the tush push Mm -hmm. that the Eagles have made famous with Jalen Hurts. So the Ravens are facing a critical third and one second half. They come out of the huddle and this is a play John Harbaugh said they've been practicing for a few weeks. Rush to the line and it's Charlie Kohler under center getting the push from behind from big old Gus Edwards and Pat Ricard to convert, get a yard on third and one. So a new kind of wrinkle from the Ravens offense. If they're going to go with this, if this becomes a thing, I'm just saying it right now, 
It's the Kolar Express. Okay. <laughs> you, you want that name? You want that coin? Bryson's giving me a little round of applause over there. Yeah, I you, appreciate it. You, you've got the I, um, the tush push or the brotherly shove. That's right. And so this is our version of the Kohler Express. The Kohler Express. I can't take credit. All credit goes to Ravens Twitter fans out there. <laughs> I did not come up with that, but yeah. I definitely co-signed. Yeah, well... It was kind of interesting because on the broadcast, it was almost missed a little bit. Like, they did mention it, but it was, like, kind of casually. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, the Ravens are lining up here, tush, push, and uh, Charlie Kohler's going to take take the snap. It's like, wait, 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 Charlie Kohler's going to take the snap. Yeah. The, the tight end who, like, has, like, three catches in his career is now taking the snap here on third and one? <laughs> what? Where's Lamar? And... It, the other part, too, is the Ravens rushed to the line on that play, and I think that's why there wasn't too much conversation about Kohler taking the snap. They end up getting the too-many-man penalty on the defense. Well, what's so, really notable about it is it was basically 10 on 12 because mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson's standing behind the play. So the Ravens had 10 people engaged in that play. They had 12. They yeah. had too many men on the field, and it still worked. Yeah. So that's, that's also pretty incredible. And I think that it showed... You know, the Ravens did that with Mark Andrews previously. Last year, mm-hmm. it was... What did Mark say at the yeah, it was called. It was called Mark in Charge. Mark in Charge. Mark in Charge. Mark in Charge. Yeah. But it was didn't have the push element from behind. Yeah. This was a different variation of Mark in Charge. Yeah, I think it's honestly... It's, it's really important for the Ravens to be able to run that, execute it at a high level. I, I give Kohler credit as well because... We've seen other teams try to do the brotherly shove, tush-push, and not have success doing it. This is Kohler, who's not a quarterback, now taking a snap I, under center. You want to make sure that, first and foremost, the ball handling there is clean. Right. You hold on to the football. Once he gets the ball in his hands, I feel pretty good about it. He's 260 pounds, and he's a... You know, you can, he he's can, a big dude. Yeah, he's a big guy, and you can kind of do the battering ram thing in there and push the pile. But... It is a little bit nerve-wracking when you have a, a reserve tight end stepping into that role, but I think that the Ravens like his size in that situation, and they've been practicing it, and it clearly worked. I like not doing it with Lamar. Mm-hmm. What's the benefit? Like, what's the benefit in your mind of not doing it with Lamar? Just well, the a, safety aspect. I think we've seen Lamar. I would not categorize as have as being a great quarterback sneak guy. It's a little better in space. For sure. <laughs> I can think of a number of instances where he's been stopped short. Mm-hmm. And so, also, you're protecting him from injury. He's not built like Jalen Hurts is. Yeah. Really, what I want to see is who can squat the most on the team, <laughs> on the Michael, offense. Michael, Michael Pierce. Michael Pierce in there. Michael Pierce would be the guy. Because <laughs> ju- that's the thing about Jalen Hurts is yeah. he has these monster legs. Uh-huh. And he can really push, and their offensive line is, is great at executing it and all those different things. Can we get a squat off on the offense? Maybe Charlie Kohler's the guy. Maybe I, I like him as long as you feel as long as the Ravens feel good about again the ball security aspect of it. And and Kohler looked he you know he got the ball cleanly and he looked efficient once he got it. I, again, I also thought it was when he caught that ball like when he caught the ball earlier in the game down there by the goal line. Like it was a very efficient catch from him like it was not did not look like a guy who's in a second year who hasn't had much action mm-hmm. he didn't catch it nervously mm-hmm. you know i thought i liked that almost i was got like, in the end zone he almost got in the end zone came up just a little bit short but i i just think that like if they're even so good about the ball security aspect of it then that's great now you have another something else like part of the reason the eagles have been so good the past few years is that they start every possession first and nine because they know once they get down there they can just push it ahead if you add that element to the ravens offense and you're taking a yard away from every first down okay i, I like the i like the odds there of the ravens to be able to pick those up 
Kohler Express, baby. Woo, woo. <laughs> we got the Gus Bus, the Kohler Express. Get all the vehicles. <laughs> Small, young children around the in Everybody pile board. They'll be, they'll be very happy with those analogies. The last thing I want to talk about from the film is the defensive effort. And you got to give the flowers to Justin Matabike. Sets the record 11 straight games with at least half a sack. What are you seeing from him this season that has made him so effective? Well, Matt Abike, I mean, we just can't say enough about how impressive this year has been for him. Like, he's having a historic season. This is a, I thought when Brian Baldinger did a breakdown of him, he made the point about the record. You know, the 11 straight games with at least a half sack. He's like, Reggie White never did this. And it's like, whoa, okay. Some of the names that he's tied with now, Chris Jones, Jared Allen. Yeah, it's like, wow, we're, we're talking about rare air here. He's like, yeah. Aaron Donald never did this. Reggie White never did this. Right. And these are some of the best defensive players, best pass rushers to ever walk the earth, okay? So Matt Abike is having a historic season. I think what there's a couple things that stand out to me about this year for him. He's always been this kind of quick twitch athletic freak for an interior defense lineman in the Aaron Donald mold. So that's like always been there for him. And I think that he's just kind of refined his pass rush moves a little bit. The second thing is that he, he absolutely plays to the whistle. He plays incredibly hard. He like does not give up. He does not that's exactly what I was going to yeah. mention with this sack, with the record-setting sack. It does not give up. That was an effort sack, yep. primarily. He did not win right away. That play was designed particularly for Kyle Van Noy. It was Patrick Queen came in, blasted the blocker, which gave Van Noy the loop, the avenue to loop around for the sack. <laughs> Only problem was Roquan Smith tripped him. Mm-hmm. And so Van Noy hits the turf. Patrick Queen has a shot at the, at the sack, but can't wrap him up exactly. Now he flushes Trevor Lawrence out of the pocket. He's on the run, and Matabike cleans it up. And so, really, it wasn't his sack to be had, but because of his effort, he ends up getting the record the record tire. Yeah. And so, that is another aspect of Justin Matabike's game that I think we also saw from the interview that we had with him. Go back and listen to that one yep. as well. Can we just talk about the podcast bump, by the way? It <laughs> is alive and the, well. The podcast bump. I mean, we had Kyle Hamilton on before We're the season. We're bumping, baby. <laughs> We're bumping. Um, and so Matt Abike, in our conversation with him, you really saw the maturity and the hard work, the dedication to keep getting better, keep refining his craft. And that also applies to just on the field, continuing his rush. And oftentimes, that's what ends up getting the results. It's not like Matt Abike, when you compare him to his pass rush win rate and things like that that some of these analytical outlets do he's not in the top five Mm -hmm. when it comes to that for defensive linemen he is with sacks but part of that is because of the effort and part of it is because he's finishing so well when he gets an opportunity to get a sack he's getting he is now i will say he has 56 pressures this year that trails only Aaron Donald among defensive tackles. For sure. So he's winning a lot. So let's like make, he let's, is. Let's make no bones about he's, it. He's winning a lot. So he's got the second most pressures in the NFL amongst all defensive linemen. And then I think that he does when when he gets there, he finishes the sack. Like there's yep. not a lot of times the guys are are slipping out of his but, grasp. But to your point about pressures, though, pressure doesn't necessarily come right away. It can come 
later because of effort or yeah. whatnot. That's not yeah. necessarily an indication. I also thought I was I was just happy for him to get that sack because he basically had one earlier in the game and Lawrence just did the old dump off for the intentional grounding. He got robbed. And so, you know, that should count as a sack. You know, that's a half sack. We'll give you the half sack for that. <laughs> that doesn't count in the record books. It doesn't count. We'll give, and the we'll lounge books and the lounge books accounts. <laughs> but but he, he got there and so you would hate to basically have that streak come to an end when you, when you really should have had it continue Completely. except for the penalty but then he ends up getting it later in the game so I mean Lamar joked after the game about how Matabike is going to owe him some money uh, I think Lamar's doing just fine but <laughs> I do think that Matabike um, as we know is going to get a huge payday this offseason I'm just happy for him he's, been, he's playing great somebody that else that deserves some kudos with the Ravens pass rush is Adafi Owe and it didn't like Matabike it didn't show up on the stat sheet but he led the Ravens with six quarterback pressures that was twice as many as any other player on the team uh-huh. and so Odafe. I think is making a lot of noise with his play that should not be overlooked. Should we also encourage fans to go back and watch and listen to, to the Adafi interview? Of hundred percent, hundred percent. And the bumping baby podcast bump alive and well. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about how the Ravens replaced Keaton Mitchell. That was the sad news of the day, and more news from John Harbaugh's press conference. Getting ready to take on spring. Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Welcome back into the Lounge Podcast. We're coming to you from the SeatGeek studio. Also, we want our listeners to know that DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the Ravens, has a limited time offer that you don't want to miss. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the promo code FLOCK. New customers can get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's only a DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code FLOCK. Please play responsibly and for help, visit mzgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. you got to be at least 21 or older and physically present in Maryland to play. Gary, i got a question for you. I got an answer. (laughs) All right, we'll see. (laughs) Do you know a kid who would love to score game tickets and a chance to take the field with their favorite team? I think I do. All right, who is it? Uh, Plenty of kids. (laughs) (laughs) You're not naming names. (laughs) Then enter them for a chance to be recognized as a Wawa kickoff kid at a remaining home game. Every home game, one lucky winner will win the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to run onto the field after kickoff to retrieve the kicker's tee and get a custom jersey and Wawa swag bag. Well, your daughter, she's walking now. Yeah, exactly. She's ready. It it would take a little while. We had to put the game on hold. It would be a (laughs) slow retrieval of the tee. Uh, But, yeah, everyone can... uh, It would be adorable. Though. It would be cute. It would it would be cute. You can make your submissions there at baltimoreavens.com slash kickoff kid. All right. All right. So the the bummer of the game was Keaton Mitchell's yeah, it's just sad. season ending knee injury on a play where it looked like he was gonna take off for a touchdown. And that's a substantial loss. Here's a player who had 
risen to the top of the Ravens running back depth chart. He was their home run hitter. And I don't know that you can really replace that home run potential. Yeah, I think that if we're going to keep the, the baseball analogy rolling here, like I, I still like Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. But those they're are guys. base hitters. Yeah, they're. They're, I think you're going to get a lot of singles and doubles with those guys. I think you could get a triple out of Justice. Okay, you could get a shuffle he there. He could stretch one. <laughs> he, he could leg it out there and get the third base. <laughs> For sure. I, I mean, Gus, like, Gus is your your singles hitter who is going to be, like, he hits for average. I mean, seriously, he hits for average. <laughs> got the batting coach. Get, yeah, exactly. Um, he hits for average. And, and he is going to be, like, you're going to get your three, four, five yards a carry every time he touches the ball. Gus is Tony Gwynn. Okay, there you go. The best hitter of all time. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> high, a high kind bar of there. built the same, too. Yeah. They got a little similar build. Well, Gus, is, Gus is bigger. Tony <laughs> Gwynn's a little shorter, I think. But, uh, no, I think I, like, I, I think that Gus, when you're in these games, this is basically what they did at the end of this game. Like, okay, Gus, like you're going to have a heavy workload. And and he, they've done this plenty of times in Gus's career. Like, he's ready. He He's always ready to take on a big workload. Look, when it comes to December and January football, I feel pretty comfortable with a ball in Gus Edwards' hands. I do, too. And when it comes to cold-weather games, wearing down an opponent, give me some Gus. Yeah. And that's not... I, of course, I would love Gus and Keaton, and to be able to throw Keaton in there, throw the change up. Oh, God, <laughs> we are on a roll. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as uh, you know, he's like a pinch hitter who can just jack one. <laughs> I can't stop. I cannot stop. <laughs> yeah, and, but I, I feel really good about Gus Edwards stepping to the plate. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say something because you could barely even get that sentence out without laughing. All right. I'm going to reel it in. Okay. All right. Whew. Now, looking at the film, I really do think Justice Hill, I've been impressed with the way that Justice Hill has run the football. I think he's kind of Keaton Mitchell light. Mm-hmm. You see the patience. You see the explosion. You see the ability for him to get the edge. Ball security was Justice's issue early this season. Too many fumbles at the mesh point. But this is a guy who he can move now. Yeah. And I, I think that he really steps into the shoes of Keaton Mitchell. And he does give you an added benefit of he's good in pass protection. Yeah. And so you do get an upgrade there. He can catch the ball just mm-hmm. like Keaton can. I, I think that it's there's more on Justice's plate kind of like earlier in this season. Yeah. Uh, the other guy that we haven't mentioned yet is Melvin Gordon. He's been on the practice squad, veteran running back, and he's been sitting on the practice squad all year long. And John Harbaugh kind of gushed about him during his press conference on Monday, talking about how he's loved his attitude, that he's basically been saying behind the scenes all, all year, I'm ready, yep. I'm ready. Now, Gordon did play in previous games, was called up from the practice squad. He has been activated to the 53-man roster. So, you know, he's on the 53 now, and, and the Ravens are going to potentially turn to him. I, I think that... The bulk of the work is going to be split between Gus and Justice, but Melvin Gordon, as John Harbaugh, you know, referenced, this is a former Pro Bowl level running back who's been in big games. He's delivered some big moments. He's got a lot of ability, and so he's ready if if the Ravens need to turn to him in these late season games. I was trying to think of a baseball analogy for Melvin Gordon. Well, he's coming, so out, he's coming out of the hard. pen. He's coming out of the pen. I was, I kept, I had that song in my head, the "Put me in, coach." Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to play. Yeah, yeah. coming yeah. out of the bullpen. Yeah, he's coming out of the pen. Yeah, that's. Pretty Pretty good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I wasn't thinking pitcher, pitcher so much. Yeah, you gotta you gotta expand the analogy across the field. Yeah. Thanks for picking up my slide. Yeah, buddy. I gotcha. All right, rolling things forward now. The Ravens are coming off a playoff playoff clinching win. Yep. 
but there's still more work to be done in the regular season. They're two games ahead of the Browns, the pesky Joe Flacco-led Browns. Yeah. Of course Joe would be pesky. <laughs> of course. And so the pressure's on. You look at the schedule ahead, you have the 49ers, who are the best team in the NFC right now. We have the Dolphins on deck, and then in the hole, the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. No, I think... Um We've been saying it. I feel like it's rinse, repeat. The Ravens are in the midst of maybe the toughest stretch of anybody in the NFL. They're playing great teams. It started with the Rams, continued against Jacksonville, and now you got two of the top, I don't know, four teams in football with the 49ers and the Dolphins. And and you don't have any margin for error, really, with the Browns sitting there right behind you. And the Dolphins, of course, in terms of the top seed in the in the AFC. The Ravens are going for that number one seed. Here's the thing. If they, if they win these next two games, they've got it. They've got it. Now, 100%. you can drop the game against San Francisco. You certainly don't want to, but you, you can drop that game against San Francisco and then come back and take care of business against Miami and uh, and then Pittsburgh, and then mm-hmm. you got it as well. So, you know, the Ravens have multiple avenues here. The good thing is that they're in pole position and they control their own destiny and they have a little bit of breathing room. Not right. a ton, but a little bit of breathing room. But it, it's going to be challenging. So, so right now, the Ravens have a 92% chance of winning the AFC North, mm-hmm. according to ESPN Analytics, and a 63% chance of finishing with the top seed, which comes with the first round by and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. To win the division, the Ravens need to win one more game and the Browns lose one. If that happens, division is the Ravens. Yeah. I think that's pretty likely. You look ahead at the Browns' schedule at Texans, at home against the Jets, at Bengals. Yeah, all three losable games. How are the Jets? What's the Jets' quarterback situation? Yeah, you know how well are they playing on offense? That's a good defense, though. When we're talking about a Browns team, they're not blowing people out. They, I mean, they, I they, mean, if Darnell Mooney holds onto that hail mary, they lose that game. Exactly. So I, I have a feeling that the Browns are going to take a, a loss in one of those three games, mm-hmm. and I have a feeling, strong feeling, that the Ravens are going to win one of their remaining three. Yeah, so, I feel good about the division. I feel very good about that. Now to get the number one seed, basically. There's three scenarios. Win the remaining three games. Win two of three with any one Miami loss. So whether that's you beat Miami, that's their loss. Or you can win any two of the three and Miami loses to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Miami doesn't have an easy schedule either. They're at home against the Cowboys at Baltimore, as we know. And then at home against the Bills, Mm -hmm. who just beat the Cowboys and the Chiefs. Yeah. So likely that the, the Dolphins probably take drop one of those remaining three games. Okay, and then the third scenario for the Ravens, win one of three, plus all of these ha- things happen. One loss by the Chiefs, probably not like you, likely. They have the Raiders, the Bengals, and at Chargers. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Bengals can get them. I mean, the Chiefs have not been world beaters mm-hmm. here recently. So you would, if the Ravens only win one of their remaining three games, the Chiefs have to lose one, and the Browns have to lose one. And either Baltimore beats Miami or Miami loses to both Dallas and Buffalo. So, not inconceivable that the Ravens could win one of their last three and still get it. Not likely, but not impossible. Did you also do the scenario for lose the last three? I don't think they're getting the top seed if you lose the last three. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, well, I, you could. Everybody, Everybody loses. Well, no, because well, Miami. No, Miami would have yeah. beaten us. So no, <laughs> that's impossible. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think... Um, as I said, the Ravens are in the middle of a really tough stretch, but I, I like the tone and the mindset of this team. Like they're they're going to San Francisco, everyone's going to be picking San Francisco. They're the underdogs. Yeah, and everyone's going to be looking at, you know, okay, this is the San Francisco is the best team in football. They're playing great right now, and 
you know, there's a lot of subplots in this game. There's the, the 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 two best teams in the NFL right now. There's the Super Bowl preview talk, and then the other one is the MVP conversation. I mean, Purdy versus Lamar, and John Harbaugh was asked about that this week. I think it's pretty clear he's not really too focused on the MVP conversation. No, he's not interested in having that conversation. But I think that the the media, the external pundits, will will certainly be focused. And if if you know, whoever honestly wins this game, especially if they look good offensively doing it, I think it's probably your the 26th runner. is probably going to be leading the way of that MVP conversation. You're probably right. Uh, according to uh, the analytics teams, DVOA, uh, can't go into the whole explanation of what DVOA is, but yeah. it basically measures the team's effect- effectiveness given the situation and opponent. Uh, this will be the best regular season game in 16 years. Mm-hmm. The Ravens and 49ers are two of the best DVOA teams ever yep. in NFL history. And that, that the last game that ranked this highly was Patriots-Colts, and that was in 2007 That's when correct. the Patriots had the 18-0 season. That's correct. So losing the Super Bowl. This is going to be a really great game. To your point, I think there's going to be major vibes in the Ravens locker room this week about being underdogs. That has not happened much at all this season, mm-hmm. that the Ravens have gone into a game as an underdog. It's the second biggest underdog, uh, heaviest underdog role for, for Lamar Jackson in his career. The Ravens have been looking for any fodder to fire themselves up. Roquan Smith, I don't know. He must hire somebody else <laughs> to look for headlines. Uh-huh. Apparently dug up the Jaguars, putting up on a board in their locker room that it was one of the objectives for the week was to be the bully. Yeah. I don't know. Even, I didn't see that one, but apparently Roquan did. No, he very much did. And and so they don't have to dig much for the, the fodder this week, for the motivation against the 49ers. They're going to be underdogs on Christmas. They're going to be feeling not good about missing Christmas at home. They're going to be gr- a bunch of Grinches. I was, I was just going to say, if, if the Ravens find a way to win this, how many Grinch references do we get from a Roquan Smith after the game? How many Grinch references do we have on this podcast in the days following? <laughs> Almost as many as the baseball references. Yeah, we yeah. we're going to have to change the analogies, but we're going to work on that. We're going to make sure that we watch uh, the Grinch this week so that we're fully ready for all the Grinch references. Yep. Well, it's going to be a really great game. And to preview that game, we're bringing on fullback Patrick Ricard to talk about the physicality that's mm-hmm. going to be coming up and the Ravens run game that we uh, touched on today. So make sure you tune in later this week for that. Make sure you're subscribed, leave a rating and review. Email us at thelounge at ravens.nfl.net. We really appreciated all the submissions that we've been getting recently for Tylen Wallace's mm-hmm. uh, game-winning punt return, which then we took to Tylen. We yeah. made a social video out of that, which was pretty cool. Tylen picked the top tiebreaker. I thought that was really good. That was, I like the that Wallace walk-off, but the tiebreaker I think beats it. Yeah, it was well done. Uh, so thank you for all the emails, and we'll be back with you later this week. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there.